0: Ted Schmitz here, Vent City. Once again, before we start the show, I need to say a few things about someone from the skate world who we lost too soon. This time it's a little closer to home, literally for, for me and Ryan, as Joe Hamicky was an Arizonan for, for a decade or so. I first met Joe, by chance, when I was in high school, actually, uh, under the Burnside Bridge. My dad had dropped me off while we were visiting Oregon, and it was my first time at the park, and I was just way too intimidated to take a run. There was Chet Childress, and he was wearing a Walkman, just lighting up the park full speed, and he was there with another full-on Ripper who I actually recognized from growing up in Arizona. It was guy who'd later become a good friend of mine is Lee Bender. He was flying up the bank wall and throwing sparks on the four footer by the elbow. It was, it was just so fucking loud that I had stage fright and it was there on the deck of, of the elbow that I met Joe, who was, I think noticing that I was eager and nervous, but he settled my anxiety by, by chatting me up and, and asking about, you know, just where I was from and, 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 what I wanted to skate and what I liked to skate. And and then we talked about the Ashland park and how Oregon had a, had a really special thing going on skate wise. Months later I graduated and I immediately moved back from Las Vegas to Tempe. And soon after I saw Lee again and that guy from Burnside, he had just moved to Tempe too. So naturally we had another lengthy chat on the deck of another bowl, more than a thousand miles from where we'd first met. And that was That was just Joe's specialty, the enthusiastic conversationalist. You want a story of old skaters? He's got him. What's Julian Stranger like? Ask Joe. What's the secret to backside airs? He's got a detailed breakdown of the mechanics. And for the record, you just got to turn your wrist. As I attended more sessions at the park and the short-lived Cowtown Ramp, my guy on the deck was usually there with encouragement or maybe even a sick Madonna to stoke out the crew. Ryan and I were, were were part of this cohort of people that, not myself, but but many of our friends, Ryan included, started to gain traction outside the desert. And Joe was instrumental in, in documenting my friends as their careers started to bud and, and take off. And that was in no small part to, to Joe's hours on the ground snapping a shutter, you know. He shot photos of the pros, but the locals as well. And what was so sick about that was that he also contributed to our local website. It was skateaz.com. And so he was he was contributing to to the archive, to the to the culture, to the lore and to the visual record of our community. It was sick. He, he had a, he had a good natured rivalry with, with price, you know, who's the, you know, kind of hometown hero leading photographer out here with the, you know, kind of a fun little thrasher skateboard mag back and forth. And what was just really nice about that time was that he had an endless patience for the younger generation and was the furthest thing from a cool guy as possible. We had a decade or so between us, but it, it never felt that way. And it rarely does between skaters. At one point, Ryan and I were were going to a show, I remember, to see the thermals, who we, we were super into at the time, and and randomly we saw Joe in the back of the crowd and of course, camera in hand. And after that, when whenever they'd come whenever they'd come to town, I'd get a text and and then Joe was just our guy to chat about the thermals with it was so so strange i i don't know if we had ever talked music before but but instantly i had another thing that we could just talk endlessly about there's something about the person that just always surprises you with how deep their personality goes and and joe was just that always full of surprises when i did my first podcast i i needed some help covering the story about the love bowls and and joe immediately hopped in to help out and he was just like that. You need something, he's got you. Or he's got the number of someone who's got you. That was hammocky Ask anyone what Joe was like. You're going to hear sweet or kind among the first things. And then you'll hear that he's a talker, which is good. The conversation never sucked, never lacked passion or interest, and could go from the right foot placement for impossibles, he put his damn near the top of the nose, or then it would shift and he'd talk to you about how weird it was that some skaters were bootlickers and yeah joe was not a big fan of the cops either cuz he was a real fucking skater when i when i heard that he was in the hospital it was just a it was a weird shock but even with how serious it sounded i just i just thought he would pull it off he didn't do drugs He was fairly young, and you know, doctors can fix that, right? And he's got kids, and he can't just die. You know, he loves his kids. That's gotta count for something. And maybe that naive hope is what makes it hurt more, but god damn it, you know. This one really fucking stings. If you knew Joe, you know all this already. If you didn't Read the stories, look at the photos, and be thankful there was someone like him in our little world who always made it better and always made it richer and more exciting and less embarrassing to be a skater. My love is with his beautiful family, his wife Jessica, his children Ansel and Taliesin. There's a link to the GoFundMe in the show notes, and I encourage you, if you can, please give what you can to help support the family. And finally, here's a bit from my conversation with him from when we talked on my first podcast. I hope it gives you just a little bit of a sense of what a great guy Joe really was.
1: You know, Rune's probably, what, 38 years old?
0: Uh, You think he's that old?
1: Um, I think he is.
0: So you think he was 30 when he did that? Yeah, oh my god, that's pretty impressive. I mean, it, it just in age terms, not like this should factor into pro skating. But you know, when you watch Reynolds's stay gold part, you think he did all of that in his thirties. It kind of hurts your brain thinking how bad your body hurts. You know, you
1: know, he. I mean, given his age, it could have he could have possibly been like, hey, this is probably going to be my last main video part. Yeah, like I'm gonna go. You know, I, but I think any video part you put out, you, you want to give it your all, yeah. You know, and do it as if it is your last, because you never know. You know, as far as like not having another one since then or something, there's, you know, skateboarding's continually changing, evolving. New kids are coming in. Stuff's, you know, it's going more towards YouTube or those kind of things. Um, you know, like in Rune's case, he has a family. And you know, there's all kinds of factors, you know, does he still skate amazing? I mean, he had awesome skating in the Volcom video. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, I, I you know, there's, I, Reynolds seems to be the exception, but when you get in your mid thirties, it's hard to bounce back. <laughs> <laughs> Some
0: stuff. There's something mental that also happens in terms of motivation. Um, which is you have to weigh if a trick is worth not being able to go to work or to, you know, hang out with your girlfriend.
1: Well, for sure. You know, or like in, you know, in Rune's case, it's like, are you, know, you got to juggle your time between the family and skating. And whereas like, you know, when you're younger and you don't have those kinds of things, you can just skate all day, every day. Yeah. And, Because then your mom will yell at you, but who cares what mom's yelling at you about?
0: (laughs) You say that as a as a new dad. (laughs) Yeah.
2: All right. What is up, skateboarders? Welcome back to Vent City. Uh, I am your host this evening. My name is Kyle Beachy. I am speaking from Chicago, Illinois, uh, and we have a small crew, a small but just very forceful and powerful and and very, very interesting crew tonight. Uh, first of all, we have Ted Schmitz, who you may recall um, is a regular here on the program, Bent City, he is coming to us from a closet in Tempe, Arizona. And we have a very, very, very special guest tonight. Um, and I'm gonna try to introduce him in a way uh, that 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 uh, stays a little sane and doesn't reveal my total affection for this dude. Um, we, he is a, a pro for Western edition. He has the best Nolly 360 flips in the world and he's had him on lock for at least 20 years. Uh, he has an infectious energy. His smile is one of my favorite smiles that I ever encounter. He has heaving bursts of laughter and I hope that sometime in the next hour or so we manage to hear that laughter. And he is literally beloved by every person uh, you will bring his name up to. Uh, please give a warm vent City welcome to the one and the only Jabari Pendleton. Jabari, hello.
3: Damn! Well, thank you. Hello. How are you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm great. It is. It is really, really great to have you here. That's no surprise. I've been saying it for the last ten minutes. Um, give us. Give us an update. Where Where are you at right now? And what is What is your circumstance? You're in St. Louis, as I understand.
3: Uh yeah yeah in St. Louis, Missouri, chilling in the room, right in the bedroom, right now. Uh, it was a nice, beautiful day today. It was like it was like 57 degrees yesterday. I think maybe 54 today. Mm. Uh, just a few days before that, we were, you know, under the snowstorm and, you know, pretty much just not stuck in the house. But if you had to get out the house, you wasn't leaving the house. It was like it was a lot of snow, pretty cold down in the down in the single digits, like worrying about the pipes freezing and stuff overnight. Oh, the worst. Um, Yeah. don't know. good old Midwest. Like we get a little bit of everything <laughs> right here in the middle. Just depends on which way the wind blows. <laughs>
2: You know, last time I saw you, we were at the stadium ledges in St. Louis, Missouri, next to Bush Stadium. Uh, And you, at the time, I believe, had a bum ankle. And there was, uh, despite... Also, professional baseball player John Jay was there on the session, which was strange. But you were there, (laughs) and you came through, and you had a bum ankle, and you weren't skating. And there was an entire squad of kids that I had never met before who all seemed to know who you were. So I have two questions. First of all, how's that ankle doing? And second of all... Are are you are you now the new king of Saint Louis since you've returned?
3: <laughs> the ankle, um, I don't know. It feels it feels a lot better. I haven't really skated since then. I should have tried to get out. I should have got out today or yesterday, but I was handling a bunch of business. I'm shooting for Friday. Yeah, trying to you know get out, maybe hit the stadium ledges and just see how my ankle's feeling because I tried maybe a month and a half ago. And it wasn't hurting when I was skating, but it just wasn't right. Like, you know, I just like, oh, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel strong. Like, I'm not like, I could just feel something was off. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna still chill out. Not, I don't want to overdo it and hurt myself some more. Like, I will just give it, give it a little bit longer to get better. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the king, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) There can only be one king. Not right, right. No, I don't know. A lot of those kids, like, you know, I like skating downtown. Like I, I meet a lot of, a lot of kids, like, downtown, it's, it's random. We'll be a Keener. And I, I know, like, out of nowhere, it'll be a little kid pop up at, like, 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And I'm looking, at them like, where the hell you come from? <laughs> like, oh, man, I just got dropped off or something like that. And, <laughs> I don't know. Kind of just pumps me up, that, you know. that, 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 that It's going to pump me up no matter what, if I see a kid on a skateboard. But when I see one pop up by themselves downtown St. Louis, so I'm like, whoa, this is. This kid's tight. Like, he's a city kid for real. And that's that's like all that whole little group of kids that you saw down there. I was like, just met him through Keener. Yeah. And they had just got hip to the stadium legends, So so I was really hyped to see him come by and skate because he's just starting to learn some some of the spots that are close to his house. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah, the stadium ledges. We got Keener. We got this, this. I'm like, okay, you're trying to – Starting to figure it out,
2: I see. So you, 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 and I have been around long enough that we recall that there was an old Keener Plaza that, of course, was like the closest that St. Louis, Missouri, had to like um, that sort of '90s style skate plaza. And they tore that down at sometime in the last like five years. But they replaced it with this spot that's really got not much going for it, and yet it remains just like the meetup spot downtown. How does that happen?
3: Um. Hey, you know, one thing you know what's interesting about Keener, it got torn, torn out the exact same day as Love Park. Really? Got, yeah, got torn down. I was, I was bugging off that because just being, you know, you just go on Instagram, you know, I'm like seeing everyone like, oh, they, they dug the first hole and all that. And then I'm, I, I don't know if I drove downtown that night or I saw someone else post it like, oh, they started taking out, yeah. you know, taking out the old Keener. And I was like, wow, that's the exact same days. And I was already just tripping off of public spaces being taken out. Like, I don't know. People have different theories on that and everything. Like, they don't want just people kicking it and congregating like in one, you know, one spot and like learning about each other and all type of stuff. It's just weird that how they do our public spaces and they don't let us use them the way we want to use them. Yeah. But um, I don't know. You know, a, a lot of. A lot of people didn't want to skate Keener when they re- reopened because it was just pretty much flat ground. Right. And there's there's some benches there, but they're they're curved the wrong way for you to really like mm-hmm. get on a trick and sit on it. You know what I'm saying? They're they're, they're I don't even know if that's called an inward curve. I don't know. It's not. I yeah,
0: like know. it goes away from you, so it's like yeah, yeah you're like yeah. you're hitting the outside of a circle. Exactly. Yeah, it's fucking impossible. So,
3: so it's real hard to skate. So everyone's like, "Yeah, the hell with that place." And I'm like, "I don't know, man. It's Keener. It's just like Keener Plaza holds a a place in my heart. Yeah. So I would go down there. And I'm like, "Yo, it's good flat ground." Like. Uh, I mean, I'm not to tell like don't no none of y'all have perfect flat ground like you could never go wrong with having your flat ground on point in St. Louis. So I was like, Let's yeah, go down there. <laughs> right for real. Exactly. Well, yeah, <laughs> you never even do them the tricks though when you skate an actual street spot. But oh, <laughs> I like, just tell them like, man, you got to get your flat ground up, bro. Like you want to jump downstairs. That's why I was telling younger kids too. I'm like, yo, you you guys are jumpers, right? And I'm like, wouldn't it be a lot easier if you had your trick on lock, like? <laughs> <laughs> then you could just know and do it, and like I don't, I don't. They still weren't really feeling me. They're like, no, nah, it's easier to do some tricks downstairs. I'm like, I guess, bro. Like I don't know. Like, figure it out on flat ground and send it down some stairs. And like I'm trying to save y'all, right? Uh,
2: yeah. But so, but you have you have sort of settled in. Uh, you know, king aside, you have cert- certainly settled in as a sort of elder statesman role in that city. Um, how does that feel to you? Like, does. D- 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 you seem to kind of like grok to it pretty good. Like you you seem to have settled into it in a pretty natural way. Like, is there, what, what do you get out of that? What, what's it like for you to be the sort of figurehead? And uh, I don't know, people, people, people like being around you, man.
3: Uh, I mean, it, it means a lot to me, especially like all the time and what, blood, sweat and tears that I've, I've put into this, not into this sport and to this culture and to this love that I have for skateboarding. I put a lot of time and, and effort towards it. So it's nice. I don't know. It's it's nice to see like the younger skaters or just, you know, skaters in general actually, you know, just give you the props that are, not even the props. It's not about props. Yeah. It's just nice to know that it, I, I, be, I, what I've done has been seen. Like, yeah. like, they see it and they take it and take note and I'm like, okay, like, like you said, it's just, I'm no one, like, special, but i just, like, just an older, you know, statesman that's been here and done that. Yeah. it Might be, you know, done some things we're trying to do, and it's just, it's nice to be acknowledged. I guess that's the easiest, you know, easiest way to say. Yeah. And, it you know, yeah, acknowledgement. Because not like, you know, everyone's jocking or anything. Like, I'm, I'm no Tony Hawk or anything, you <laughs> or, or Nyjah Houston. Yeah. But it's nice to be All acknowledged. All for the best, that's too. Just, that's nice. Yeah.
2: yeah thank <laughs> God on that one. Yes. Uh,
0: I I don't want to derail too much, but I was a sort of like pretty obsessive. Like when Girl Talk came out, that was like my video. But I always kind of thought that, you know, Randy Placer is, you know, he's mellowed out quite a bit in the last few years. But if it's not you, is it Randy? And if it's not Randy, who is the kind of like St. Louis icon?
3: I'd have I mean, we have a lot of icons. I mean, we have Chris Casey. Mm-hmm. And, and and the captain like from Captain and Casey show like Brad Johnson. I don't know. That's that's like a big St. Louis icon. Okay. Um, he did a lot of stuff, you know, behind the scenes and stuff. But I, I would, if it were out of me and Randy, I would give it to Randy. And it was one thing. I was I was always tripped off for of Randy that he made it. He made it cracking from St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he might have he he might have dipped out and took trips and. You know, and held it down and got clips and all that. But his home base was always St. Louis, mm-hmm. and that was so impressive to me because when he did it was really before people were doing that for real. Or like, oh, I'm just gonna stay where I'm from right. and I'll take trips out there right. and handle my business. And like, Brandy was that good; he could just take trips, yeah, get clips, get his photos, and I'm going back home. I'm gonna drink, you know, <laughs> drink me some Budweiser. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Under, under the arch. Yeah. And yeah. in, in a little raft on the river or something. You know what I'm saying? He's just chilling. And I always respected that. I was like, yo, that's sick. Yeah. I was like thinking like, man, life could have been a lot different if you could have tried to do that. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I just never. I don't know. I, I moved to California. I didn't even move there to try to go pro or anything. I just moved to get out of St. Louis. Right. Yeah. So, Which I, everyone I does. I wasn't so really his... thinking like that.
0: Oh, your SF footage is a fucking gift, though. I'm I'm so stoked you did. <laughs>
3: Yeah. No. Uh no, and I'll, I I was just stoked. That's why I was filming so much. I was just happy to be there. Dog. It was it was a dream come true. And I didn't even realize it like going out there. And then once you get there and I'm like, whoa, this is a this is really something else. This is amazing. Yeah.
2: So I wanna I wanna talk about that because th- there are a lot of interesting steps in your sort of story as as a pro skater, as a person, um, as someone who I I think, I I was trying to think of the first time that I saw you. But before I get into that, I do want to tell a story um, that Joe Herbert tells. And if we're going to talk about Kings of St. Louis, um, it, it, it does behoove us to mention Joe Herbert, who has, Got to. has spent a great deal of time and much sweat and much blood and much tears making the city into what the city is. Um, so Joe Herbert has a story he tells about being 12 years old and going into, at the time, one of the only skate shops in the city, which was called Splash, which was on Manchester Road, which was actually a swim, swim swimsuit store more than anything, but they had like, they had their little skateboard section and he was 12 years old, Splash, 1990, very early, the, the sort of era when everything in a skate shop is like overwhelming and the greatest thing you've ever seen. And in walks, he says this voice, he says, I heard this voice and there's a lot of energy. And he just remembers thinking, who is this? And he saw your mom before he saw you. And he says that he speaks of this as like this unforgettable and singular moment and he says that immediately he was just like enamored by you he said that you were immediately like the coolest kid he had ever seen despite being three years younger than you said that or younger than him said that you had jokes and at age nine you already knew things about like what was going on in skating and he described you as quote this little roly-poly perfect little kid uh and i think a lot of people feel that from you right like I'm, I'm not lying when I say truly, like there is an infectious energy that you bring to a spot. And, and I think a lot of people who see you, see your parts on YouTube and who have seen your clips and, you know, know of not just your skating, but um, times when you've like just been yourself on camera, right? You had that, that, the three best grabs in history. Um, like, you know, you do well on the screen because you carry that, it, it, it comes with you. Uh, I guess the question I want to ask is, what's it like having everybody like you? <laughs> Ted, Ted and I are defi- divisive figures and we, we go through life not being liked by everybody. So I, I'm real curious, what's it like being the person that like is just surrounded by love? And maybe, how do you do it?
3: That's I uh, I wasn't expecting that question. I don't know about <laughs> being loved by everybody, but you know, um, Man, all right. Not to get too serious, but like I don't, I don't know. I just a lot of things. I just look at like my childhood, and I'm like, oh, I really feel like I'm the reason I am. A lot of pretty much ninety percent of everything I am is just from going through stuff through my childhood and everything. Yeah. And I don't know. Like I had a real good childhood, but mm-hmm. I had times too where it was just like it was kind of hard. And just I, de- I didn't feel like nobody liked me. You know what I'm saying? Like. I felt like, like, damn, like, don't nobody fuck with me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh-huh. So I, I think when I got old, when I got older, or not even when I got older, I just always had in my mind to never make anybody else feel the way certain people made me feel when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and that was just my way, like, not even trying to think I'm going to be a better person. That was just, I just knew how horrible some people made me feel. And I was like, man, I don't never want to make anyone, not like just not make my friends, but I was like, in my head, I was like, I never want to make anyone feel that way. So I feel like, you know, when I am comfortable and I'm like just being me, like I'm not going to any situation. And, you know, most of the time it's going to be pretty loving, loving and caring. I don't know if it's, that's also from being raised by a bunch of, you know, a bunch of women, which, you know, people say, oh, he's this way because he was raised by a bunch of women or something like I was I was raised by a bunch of loving and caring women, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That there was like the, they were the same way around people. They like yeah, just made try to make people happy and uplift them like we we can build we can build each other up instead of, you know, breaking each other down. And like like I said, not to get too deep. I just think it's just like that's the way I came around in most situations. Uh, and and especially if I'm happy doing what I'm doing, then I'm just—that's all the energy I'm gonna keep putting off because I'm already happy because I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So everyone I'm gonna meet while I'm doing what I'm doing, what makes me happy, I'm gonna give off that energy probably you know times ten for what what how I'm feeling. Yeah. And from that, I guess that's where the you know the love came from. You know, sometimes I I forget and I'm like, dang man, like, i want to tear up. I, you really got love for me? <laughs> but I, I I forget. I'm like, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a knuckleheaded times, but i'm a pretty good I'm a good guy, you know what i'm saying i I've tried to do good by by mostly everybody i know i' have, no one's perfect, but right. uh I think that's just all it is like you're saying people like me because like I'm gonna come off with that energy first, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like yeah. no matter who you are if you're a little you know a little kid that doesn't even know about skating yet that doesn't know about companies and all that. But you're on the board and you're hype, like I'm gonna be hype too. I'm trying to give you dap and all that. Ugh, like you just get <laughs> you know, you remember you remember when you were at that stage. So right. just like seeing a kid roll off a curb, you are like, dang, that was your first time doing that. Like, you know how dope that feels or how hyped you are. So, you know, that's just the same way. Yeah. I think, uh,
2: and you 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 were you were a little kid skater, right? Like you were you were as as young as skaters can be right i mean joe's story you were nine years old he says he ran into you a couple years later at knifer which is uh i don't even know how to speak of knifer knifer is like a railroad tie spot it was like the worst blacktop and there were like these railroad tie ledges and for a time for a part of the city of st louis or the county i suppose it's in kirkwood uh and he said he ran into you there, and you were with Bobby Taylor, and you were playing skate. And he said, by the time he had seen you, and you were twelve or thirteen, he said you were doing every trick. He he said you were doing switch melon grabs and switch roast beefs in this game of skate, <laughs> like switch flat ground roast beef. Is that possible that at age twelve or thirteen you were doing switch flat ground roast beefs? I
3: was doing switch roast beefs and all those <laughs> oh, like stale <rich> yeah. fish <laughs> and all that. I wasn't doing I wasn't doing melon because no. I was too. I was too chubby. My body didn't work like to do, I couldn't do regular melon grabs. You know, you got to be able to tweak it all out and everything. I'm like, I don't think I, my mind wasn't there yet, like knowing how to tweak my ollie and all that. I was just like, yo, my stomach is my stomach inside is in the way. Like, I can't grab back there. But the, the uh, yeah, the roast beefs and all that and stale fish. Man. All day, switch.
0: Switch roast beef is such a sick move. Like, mm-hmm. nobody has that in their bag. That's mm-hmm. such a sick one to pull on somebody and skate. Respect.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was all my first switch tricks. Were just like, because we were from that era where fools were still doing that stuff regular. Then switch popped up out of nowhere. So I'm like, yeah, switch ollie, switch one footers, switch those <sighs> switch grabs, and then, and then probably slowly I learned how to switch flip and then... So you- After you, that, it was over with.
2: You were right at that time. I mean, you were becoming a skater right when basically Switch skateboarding became like a thing that skaters um, who were older than you had to like learn how to do. So you- you.
3: Well, I was skating. No, I was skating way before Switch. I, I say way before, but I got my first board. I'm thinking, or oh, 88 or 89. What? Well, I don't know what switch yeah I was born I mean, it wasn't in a pro
2: board there we go
3: yeah I was I was seven years old at eighty eight like wow. um a Veraflex from Target right that was already beaten up and skated on it was the board that everyone skated on in the store and that was the one I wanted <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I don't know no I was skated I skated for a while before before Switch came into the picture and I'm thinking like when Switch Started coming into skating. I think that's when I was more coming into the know-how right. of skateboarding, right. skate industry companies, right. like looking right. at magazines all the time, knowing you know what video was going to come out and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. By the time Switch came in, that's when I was in the know-how, and I think I just just took on for Switch. I'm trying to remember if, I, if there was anybody, like there was older cats in Kirkwood skated I know I had to probably see one of those skate switch or something yeah but I don't know yeah that's that's how that came about
2: uh so the the thing that happened and I I want to give like some explanation of why 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 the obvious thing of inviting you on to vent City took so long to do because um I've known you for a very long time right I mean I was trying to think after Joe told that story about splash and hearing you come in I was trying to think of the first time that you and I actually skated together and I think it might have been sometime I remember a session at Washington University and you were skate like remember those ledges were kind of yes. angled and you could like kind of skate the angled gap between them yeah and I think that might have been that was definitely one of the earliest times that I skated with you, but um, the the reason it came up that I kind of smacked my head and I was like, Jesus Christ, I should reach out to Jabari and get him on Vent City um, was because of the free release of this short documentary film or 30 minute documentary film called The Blackboard, uh, which actually was released originally in 2016. Um, but has just been posted on YouTube. And when I I saw that you were posting it and I actually got in there finally and watched it, I was like, oh, Jesus, we got to get Jabari on the show. Um, And you talk a little bit in there about, uh, you you talk very honestly about sort of what it was like to grow up as a black skater in St. Louis and some of the the kind of verbal abuse that that led to for you. And and I want to get into that a little bit because St. Louis has... You know, one can't speak of St. Louis without thinking about racial divides and racial strife. One can't these days talk about skateboarding without speaking of the way it's changed and the way that the the sort of demographics and the people who skateboard are very different now than they were in the 1990s. Um, but but maybe as a way into that, the, the thing I'd love to talk about is... W- When did you stop? Because the other very interesting thing about you is you skated as a young kid into your teens and we very very good at it right i mean you were you were a natural in a way that it was it was obvious to see right as someone who is not a natural and has never been very good at skateboarding it was always like oh this kid is actually legitimately good right like i could i can do this and i'm a pretty good athlete i have good hand eye coordination so i can get by but seeing you skate was like a very very different thing like this kid is is uh, actually good at this i i kind of want to talk about why you stopped um and get into a little bit of what that period was like before you decided to start again can you walk us through a little bit i don't know ted if you ever went a period without without skateboarding but i've never i don't think i ever really like walked away from it and i wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that decision was like or if it wasn't a decision if it just sort of stopped being something you wanted to do
3: yo all right it was it wasn't even a, de- a decision yeah, it just happens. Like it's kind of crazy to say something that that affects me and I love that much. I could just stop doing. Like it just pretty much happened. Like um, what ninety seven would have been when I turned sixteen, and that's when I got my my first uh, part time job. Started working at Steak and Shake out in Kirkwood.
1: <laughs>
3: my mm-hmm. first job, and uh, pretty much at by that time, Brad Johnson. And Jason Wessler had already left for San Francisco. I'm thinking Tim Bruns was already gone yep, by then. Yep. Joe, so Joe would have left
2: too, right? I mean, Joe went out to LA yeah. around that time.
3: You know, no, no, I'm tripping. Joe would have went later. Okay. Or maybe you, I'm trying to think. I, I can't remember. I know, yeah. Because I graduated in 99. I know Joe didn't go until after he graduated high school. So but that might have been like 97. 97.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, um, so pretty much, you know, all those guys would pick me up and I had to go skate on the weekends like downtown and I'd go skate places where I wouldn't see anybody I went to school with. Right. Like, you know, and I and I was like, yo, I was cool with that. I'm like, all right, I can go skate and film and have fun. Don't have to worry about getting into it with nobody. And when the weekend's over, I just go back to school and just, you know, handle that. No one needs to even know what I've been doing. Right. So <laughs> once they moved, I was more. I was like, I would had to skate Kirkwood, so I was like, man, I don't want to be seen skating. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't really skating. Matter of fact, Joe was still. Joe was still in St. Louis because at that time, uh, the the old Webster Skate Park, they had a little DIY park in there at the time, was right. really good, right. and everybody was skating. So I remember at times like when I when I wouldn't have to work. I'd have to wait for my mom to get home, and she might get home maybe like five o'clock, and it's like the fall; it was about to get dark at like six or seven. I'd hurry up and drive to Webster and get an hour in or whatever at the at the little ghetto park. And I remember Herbert was still there at the time, so you know I was skating, just not as much because I was working pretty much. I'd get a day or two off, you know what I'm saying, from work. So I'm going to high school, get off school at. 2.50 2.50 or 3 o'clock and then I'd get home and then I'd have to be at work at like 5 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then work from 5 to 10 right. at the at, at, at the minimum, then get home, try to do whatever homework or whatever. So I wasn't skating because of that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. It was just like, just the whole already trying to hide the skating. It just slowly turned into not skating. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't a plan where like, yo, I'm going to quit skating. Right. like. The hell the hell with this too many people are messing with me even though I hated you know everyone messing with me but I never really planned on quitting it just I just slowly stopped skating
2: so that's that's something that this documentary the blackboard does very well is it 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 essentially introduces people today to uh, a kind of historical relic which is that um you know it's real it, it, I imagine it's hard for a young person now to imagine um, being ostracized for being a skater. Yes,
3: and I, I think it, I think it still happens though. I think it still happens, but but I do. How you say it is hard for most younger kids in the younger community to really understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. But at the same time, like if if you're in the hood, you're in the hood. Like not not to make it sound like that, but yeah. I know yeah. they just. I don't think they get it as bad, right? Like, you know, we were fighting. I was like. Like, it was serious. It wasn't someone just trying to be funny right. and give me a hard time. It was people, like, really, they really disliked that I skateboarded. They really did not like that shit. Yeah. And So I guess, yeah, it is different. Yeah.
2: And and when you say they really didn't dislike, they really disliked this shit, like, and is that because skating was such a white thing? Like, is that, it was that a, can, it was...
3: Well, as, as me being older, an older black man, like, I, I mean, and I understood it, well I didn't understand it then. I, I was kind of confused. Now, I mean, and it, just just I can only give you the the, the truth of a black man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. like I understand what are like why would you when are like why do you or why are you trying to do something the white boys are doing or why are you trying to be a white boy? Because most culturally, most of our history, most a lot of negative stuff happened to us from the white community so they understand like why would you want to try to be somebody or do something of somebody that hurts us so much it does so you know what i'm saying like so i understand like that way of seeing things and at the time at the time people even you i know i think carl said in there like you know most of the pro skaters at the time are white and i'm like yo it was black black pro skaters back then you know back then too but um I don't think the most of the public even knew of a pro skater except right. for Tony Hawk. Right. I was the only one. So I guess cause of that one skater that they know or this, this blonde white dude, right. I guess they're all like that.
0: Yeah. The, but it's like Marty Grimes was, you know, like one of the first uh, black pro skaters. So it's like, even, it, that's like vert skating. That's like, so it, that's not what people are seeing like right. who are outside of, like skate the fandom, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's that's the thing that that trips me out. As I've kind of like, you know, I've I've been more clued into some things recently, but I'm like, oh shit, there were like pioneers from way back. But it's like the the things that the popular imagination was seeing of skating. It was you know, just like a an angsty white Southern Californian dude. Like, that yeah, was, right. th- those were, like, the parameters. And right. and that stuff, I, you know, really fucked skating up for a long time.
3: <laughs> it really did. I remember people always used to look at me like, I guess I don't get it as much anymore, but they used to be like, you don't look like a skater. <laughs> and I was just like, how's a skater supposed to look, yo? Like, I don't get it. Like, yeah. And people used to trim off my pants, I guess, like, when, they, when it was a tight, when everyone was wearing extremely tight pants, and they're like, you don't got on tight pants though, and I'm like, that doesn't make you a skater. That makes you a person with tight pants on, like. And the world came around you. To. Yeah.
2: So, so that that <laughs> that brings up something that's interesting to me because, like, the, one of the ironies here is that in that era of the early '90s was when skateboarding seem to be the most interested for the first time in hip hop culture and in black culture, right? Like that, that era of, you know, I'm thinking about like FTC finally, and I'm thinking about, you know, uh, the, the, the girl videos of, um, you know, goldfish and mouse, like, that that era, that in a in a large sense was my introduction to like backpack rap, right? Like to listening to hieroglyphics yeah. and to and to understand like my sort of doorway weirdly into black culture was through skateboarding, who was sud- who which was suddenly like, oh, we're we're interested in rap music now, right? Like it's the early 90s. We're gonna we're gonna go yeah. this direction into black culture and we're going to See, you know, there's this obvious sort of relationship between, like, the boom bat music, like, backpacker hip hop of the early 90s, which was all about, like, essentially, like, I'm dope. You suck. (laughs) Like, uh, my stuff is doper than yours. And so there was this overlap with skateboarding, which was, like, it was all sort of singularly performative, right? Like, every, every verse of a hieroglyphic song was basically just, like, all right, now it's your turn. Like, be as dope as you can. Which naturally made sense to skating. Cause it was like, all right, it's each person's turn to try to be dope. And that makes sense <laughs> to me. And so when we hear things like, you know, I think for a lot of us, when we, we come to really face the reality of like, it wasn't just like do a kickflip sellout. Like I, what you're speaking of sounds like actual threats and actual danger and actual, um, sorrow to deal with enough that it actually, uh, it was something you had to hide yeah. from the people around you. And that I don't know if that's something that a lot of people who skate today and maybe maybe I'm wrong, like maybe people still do. Maybe people still do find themselves having to um Secret away their their love for skateboarding, uh, but it does feel to me like a lot of that has opened up, and I wonder I wonder if if that historical moment is one that we sh- we should understand better. You know what I'm saying? And that's why the blackboard I think for me is just such a revelatory uh, piece of work because it does have you. you and Carl and Ron Allen and a, a number of other skaters talking about, just like speaking very frankly of your experience. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with that documentary? Did the filmmaker reach out to you? How did that happen?
3: Shout out to the homegirl girl, uh, Megan Mitchell out of San Francisco. She hit me up. She already knew uh, the producer is uh, Marquise Bradshaw. And um, she pretty much just told me what he was, what he was trying to do, and if I, be you know, be interested in just doing an interview for him or, or just at least talking to him. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely down. We uh exchanged numbers. We started talking. He was just at the beginning of the process, I believe. Because yeah, I, found, you know, I actually hooked hooked him up with like a lot of people to interview, mm. even though he already had some people. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Remember, he went all the way to L.A. He was supposed to interview Kareem, mm. oh. and some, and some, I don't know, somehow you know things fell through
1: mm-hmm.
3: or everything, and that would have been so dope because that's like it's, Kareem is Kareem, like yes, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know, he, yeah, we just got hooked up, and he uh, f- he was came to SF, and we just kicked it for a day, and ended up. Uh, I don't know. We just ended up really gelling, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, everything worked out, and um he ended up coming back another time and interviewing me some more because he, you know, he wanted to get better vocals and he just wanted to get more of the story. And like, I feel like I talk a lot in there, but it's not even scratching the surface. Like uh, from from everything, everything I went through to. I don't know. The story gets way crazier, but you know, I'm saying you can only fit you know so much into there. But um, it was dope working with Marquise. Like yeah, he skated a lot when he was younger. Mm. He, he still skates, but skated a lot. Hip hop, um, did mu- did music, you know, break dancing. He was when he was making the film. He he was um, trying to become become a lawyer. He passed the bar, I think, during the time of making the film. That's amazing. Like. Yeah, he was doing a lot of stuff, crazy. Like, like man, the, the dude is something else. He's it's a trip. So he's. So I was like, really. So
2: he's a practicing lawyer now. Is that how he spends his
3: time? I believe so. I know it's like kind of hard, even though after you pat, you know become um, pass the bar, because he was living in East Bay and then shooting for like jobs in Frisco, and I'm thinking they were like saying there is no entry level. Job for attorneys, but you but you can't like I don't know some you know some weird some weird stuff like you got to know who you know. So I know he moved out of state to start practicing. Um, he was practicing somewhere else for a minute and trying to get it cracking. He's out back out in the East Coast now, so I'm not. He probably he has to be because I know I don't know he stopped um being on social media yeah, but for a while I used to always see him. He would post up like. On Facebook, like, I saved this young brother. Like, he he was doing... He was one of the... um, What is it called when, when you when you get in trouble and they just give you an attorney? A that's public the, defender. Uh, yeah. Mm, but he a was a public defender grind. that cared. Yeah, he was the one that cared, though. And he was, like, all the time, posting up on Facebook, like, this is what happened to this person. And they, were tra- and they, re- and they told me to just n- throw him away and all this stuff. But I looked into it more... No no, 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 and I got him out of this and out of that. And I'm like, man, that's so ill. Like Damn. I know there I know he's not the only one like that, but right. like you don't you don't never see here, see or hear about that. Right. About someone that really cares. And oh, yeah. like he had some stuff where he really saved some people's life. Like it was one was a, yeah. a, a I think a rape case that was like, man, it was it was some he was posting a lot of stuff and I'm like, wow, that's a trip. Yeah. Like that person would have been done for if you weren't there.
2: So the so the film comes out of clearly uh, then his own relationship to skateboarding and um, some sort of drive to make make clear uh, both the experience for some established elder statesmen of skateboarding who grew up black elder statesmen of skateboarding who grew up um, suffering some of this you know confusion of why would you do this what's how dare you go into this sort of white person's world what why even do that um the document itself man it's it's a really powerful short film um and it's free now and i really hope everyone who's watching this goes out or listening to this goes out and tracks it down and watches it um, one of the things that really, I didn't realize Jabari because in my head, so I went away to college in 97, I left St. Louis in 97 and I didn't return until like 2002. Um, and that was right around the time. I think Joe came that back. I was getting
0: my second skateboard. Yeah. You
2: were skating your second skateboard. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Jabari if you've ever seen Ted's skateboard but he's become like we can get into this in a little bit but the 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 fact was I had come back to St. Louis and Joe Herbert had just come back to St. Louis um and then you kind of started up again around 2005 if I remember right
3: yeah I think oh four I think it was I I went and bought a myself a board on my 23rd birthday I remember I was like a little bit before my birthday I was bugging out just like Looking at what I've been doing and everything, I was so bummed out. And uh, I think Brad Johnson and Wessler was in town. All right. And I happened at the time I was working for AT and T. I remember going down to uh, to Blueberry Hill, mm-hmm. and I ran into somebody that I worked with, and they were like, "You're Jabari penalty? You used to skateboard and all that." And I'm like, "What? Like, how do you know that?" Like. I mean, we worked together and then he was like, Yeah, I just saw Jason Wilson and Brad Johnson here and all that. I'm like, What? Like, how do you know these guys? <laughs> so i might Call them, like, where are you guys at? And they're like, Oh, we had to look, we had to leave out because we got to catch a, a flight early in the morning and go back to SF. They were just in town for like Christmas or something. And pretty much when I quit skating, I pretty much cut all ties off. So like, I just distanced myself. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't mean to, but I guess once. Once I hadn't been skating for a while, it's not like I really kept contact with anybody or anything. It was just yeah. just a new new life, you know? Right. Um I found out that they had kept skating and saw what they were doing and I was like, What? Hmm. And I was like, Herbert would always hit me up every once in a while, like, What are you doing, man? You should go skating, and all that. So Herbert happened to hit me up and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I will one day or something. And then, like I said, sitting in the basement, like homies playing video games. I don't even like video games. I'm sitting there, like smoking hella weed, probably like nodding off. I'm so damn bored, and I'm just like, <laughs> man, the hell with this. Like, I wasn't doing nothing at that time. Dude, I was like living at strip clubs at the time. Like, yeah. it was yeah. it was like crazy. Yeah. I was making good money at AT and T, so I was kind of like just just partying and doing whatever. Right. But um, yeah, I was just like, man, you know what? I'm gonna go to infinity. And buy me a board on my 23rd birthday. And I went there and it was dope to go there because I had never been in there. I had just heard about it and how the, how a homie that I grew up skating with owned the shop. So I'm like, what? That's so crazy. (laughs) Like, like Jason, like has his own skate shop where that's sick. Went in there, got a board. I think I got a got a Jason Deal Alien Workshop because they had a big old nose <laughs> It made me think of like how he was skating in Trilogy, like Nolly one eighty and over picnic tables and all that. So I'm like, yeah, let me get that Jason Deal. And I was bugging out that he skated for Alien Workshop because I had skated for so long. I'm like, last time I skated, he skated for one on one. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Alien Workshop. Like Jason Deal right. <laughs> you know, even though that's all you think of, you know, now, but. I'm like that. Don't even sound right. I'm, like, I'm getting this. Got that. I think I bought myself a pair of circus or whatever. How do you get or maybe some DCs? I'm not sure, but yeah, went out and that that weekend I met up with Herbert and we went to a, a parking lot like a school. Skated in the parking lot, just doing flat ground, and to my surprise, I could, I could still do, I could still land some tricks, like I was. I was eating shit though. Like I remember like landing pre, like, you know, my flick was a little off. So I'm like landing primo on some stuff mm-hmm. and, and all that. And I just remember falling back on my elbows a few times. Like, ooh, I remember this. Like this ain't that good, but <laughs> I was scary. tripping that I could actually land something. You know what I'm saying? It had been, right. it had been pretty much from 16 to 16 to 23. You know what I'm saying? Like, no skating. That's so, a
2: long time, man. That is
3: a long fucking time. <laughs> uh, I feel fucked I was, up after so two I was weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, no,
3: yeah. So I was tripping out, though. I was like, man, I could still land some stuff. And from that weekend on, because I was still working at at and t and I worked like 11 to 8 in the evening, Monday through Friday. So that's like right. that's one of those jobs where you can't do nothing. You're just like, <laughs> I wake up, I go to work, you get off at 8 p.m. You can't do you know what I'm saying it's getting dark at nine at the latest if it's the summer or something like, and i and I worked super far out. it was all the way out in town and country, so by the time I got back into the city, it was a wrap. oh I, like, I can't go skate, so I would just go skate every weekend mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday, you know what I'm saying, I had that off. I'm meeting up with Herbert or you know somebody, and I'm going skating, and I just did that for for quite a while until they got until I got laid off at uh. AT and T. So, were,
0: were you progressing at two days a week?
3: Um, yeah, I think slow, slowly. You know what I'm saying? I was but it's it's a weird when you think of pro- progress, progressing because I was just learning everything that I knew I could do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if that made me think about it different. Like I've done this before. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You just got to get it back. I. But, yeah, I guess that was, prog- uh, you know, progressing. I remember Herbert saying that I used to scare him because I would sometimes charge some stuff, and he's just like, he knows he could do it, but I don't know if it's... Because I was a lot bigger, too, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I don't know if... He knows he can do it, but I don't know if he can do it. Like, right, right now. Like, like his, his mind knows how to do it, but I don't think his his body might not be 100% capable quite yet. Because I was probably like... I don't know, man. I'm thinking I was either... 260 at my lightest or maybe 280.
2: You know what I'm saying? At at my heaviest. What? Yeah. So... That's a lot, man. That's... So, was your path from that point, like, to become more and more fit? Like, did you... Was that the heaviest you skated? 260?
3: 280? Yeah, that was the heaviest I skated. But since I hadn't skated in such a long time, it was just the weight that I'm skating in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not... Cause I quit, cause I quit when I was still a kid. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It was just, that was just the way that I was skating in. But that, that's helped me start dropping weight. Yeah. I started, and I wasn't even noticing. And I think it's because, so I would go skate Saturday and Sunday all day. Right. And then I was tripping off of that. I'd be too tired and soared to go out to the clubs that night. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you don't understand, dog. I was, it was getting bad. Like I was cause I was getting paid like $20 an hour at the time, like at AT&T and like bonus checks and stuff. I'm like, yo, all I was doing was just smoking big trees and going to the strip club. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember going to a strip club once and like the, the doorman was like, yeah, man, let me hit that. That's real good and said my name. And I'm like, how you know my name, bro? Like, oh my <laughs> God, like I was in here way too much. Like, he straight said my name, like we were like, cool. Like, hey, Jabari, that smell good tomorrow, let me in it. I'm like, man, I don't know you, yeah. Like, no. You're like, Yeah, so so that was one thing too I liked about the skating. I was like, I'm sore. But I remember I was like liking the feeling. I was like, it's a sore, like accomplishment type of sore. Like, I'm not in excruciated pain. But I could feel the I could feel the muscles I haven't been using, or I could feel that fall like it felt kind of good to me. And then I was too tired to go out at night, so I think that helped me probably not drinking as much and not eating, you know, not eating a you know White Castle or steak and shake after I leave the club and at four in the morning and all that, and just I slowly started you know shedding that weight off.
2: And then so it wasn't many years uh, before you went out to California and. You've already said like you weren't going out there to turn pro, right? I mean, it sounds like you wanted to get out of St. Louis. What took you out to California and what was that what was that like when you found yourself without a home out there?
3: Oh, uh, well actually I wasn't homeless for too long. That was just like the very beginning when I first got out there, but I pretty much went there because um I'm trying to think. I got like I said AT&T did like a huge layoff and pretty much Laid off like eighty percent of the people working yeah. in this big old building. I was young and stupid at the time, not realizing how good of a job it, it is. You know, I was just like, "Yes, I'm free. Like right. I could, I could go live down. I'm gonna go skate. I'm like, all right. I'm like I can, I can get unemployment too because y'all laid us off. First thing I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm gonna get my unemployment rolling, and I'm going to California. All right. Uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's just like I don't. Like, I'm good for a minute. So I, you know, got unemployment popping and I went out to Cali and I, I went for a month, no plans or anything. Just went for a month, kicked it, stayed with Brad the whole time. And, um, stayed with Brad, stayed with, with at, at, uh, Tim and Matt's house a few times. Uh, the homie Leland, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was, it was a lot of St. Louis out there. When I went to visit, I was like, yo, that's dope. Like I remember just riding around with Brad and running into another, uh, to Terrence, another, you know, OG skater, um, from St. Louis and all that and I'm just seeing I'm like yo that's crazy like St. Louis St. Louis is out here right. but um, yeah it, it was it was a trip but uh, yeah I get out there I did that for a month I ended up coming back to St. Louis because I because I, I was like getting calls on my like my truck at the time, I wasn't paying the note. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to repo it. And I'm like, you got to find it first. Bro. <laughs> what are you talking about? I had it such a good hiding hidden, hidden place. So I was just like, what do we say, bro? Like, I'm in California and it's hidden. Like, you guys are not going to find it. And like, it's simple as that. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right, I got to go back and handle this. So I come back, take, you know, take care of all that. Um, I think I might have started. I can't remember where I was working at the time. But the main reason for going to California was it was a New Year's Eve. I'm going to a party. Haven't started drinking, smoking, nothing. You know, I had skated all day. I cross over the street and this kid runs his stop sign and, like, totals me out.
2: Mm. God damn
3: it. And I, when he totals me out, I was just like, man, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got no car. I, ain't got no, 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 I don't got the AT&T, so I can't just buy a new car right. real quick and, like, and all this stuff. And I'm bugging out and, like. I paid that truck off and I left. I just went to SF. I'm like, man, I'm out of here. Brad was just like, What are you doing in St. Louis? And I'm like, Man, I'm like, I'm working a you know, a shitty job and and, and I'm skating, like trying to figure it out. And he just like, You could do that exact same thing here. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know, for some reason that just clicked with me when he said that. He's like, Yeah, you can you can work a shitty job here, skateboard and right. figure it out. Like you're trying to do like you're trying to do there. And I was like I was like, you know what? Yeah, I can, huh? Yep. And so, I dipped out, went out there, and uh, was staying with Brad for a minute, and then, yeah, I don't know. The Asians were scared of your boy. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> I remember I was yeah. That's how. That's why I ended up becoming homeless because the 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 landlord was on some like he was on some racist ass shit. Yeah, like pretty much because because so Brad always had the house like where everyone stayed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like from from trilogy and all that stuff. Like he filmed and all that. Like from Maurice Key would stay there. Pat Washington, Henry, like they, that was that was like the ultimate skate house, you know what I'm saying? And there they there Rob Welsh lived there. Mm-hmm. All of them lived there. And like it was only a two bedroom or yeah, I guess it was two considered a two bedroom apartment. But they always had, like, 10 to 20 people living there. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, always been like that. They never had a problem before. And and the funny thing is, when I got there, it was just Brad living there and Matt Jones. But the, I think <laughs> the apartment was still under Rob Welsh's name or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 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 dude, like, they had never tripped before. But then they got me, you know what I'm saying? I, I understand, like, I, I had, like, Facial hair was all looking crazy. I had the braids. I was like a bigger black dude. But I speak to people and I let them know what it is. You know what I'm saying? So I'd be like out in front of the apartment smoking a cigarette. And then, you know, there will be an old Asian lady or something coming looking scared as fuck. And I'd just be like, I'd open the door because I'd have a key. So I would show them. Boom, open the door so they don't get nervous. Like, I'm just some random dude standing out in front of the apartment smoking. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm staying with Brad because he was the, if you walk, you open the doors, you walk up the stairs, his apartment was the first apartment. Right. Boom, right there. And, I, and everyone, I think everybody already knew him. Right. Yeah. So he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm staying with Brad and all that. Out of, out of nowhere, I know there was some work that needed to get done in the apartment. I think maybe a leaky faucet or something. And he was just like, uh, yo, you got to stay with somebody while while the you know the landlord comes in and fix this leaky faucet. I'm like, all right. So I went and stayed with Wessler. And at the t- when, I, when he <laughs> had any back, he was just like, bro, like, you know, he felt bad. He's like, you can't come back here. Oh, and I'm like, what the fuck you mean, man? And I was just like, the landlord was like, who's, you know, I know he didn't say, I don't know how he said it, but like, how, how, how did he say it? Who's this black guy that said it? Like, right. he had to say something right. along those lines and saying like, these people are nervous and scared and that no one can stay here that's not on the lease. And I'm like, that's some bullshit, man. It's like, nobody's on the lease. people always right. living here, right. and 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 at this point, there's only two people plus me, and and they're not on the lease. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember Brad said it was still under Rob Welsh, name. and they just thought Matt Jones was Rob Welsh or some shit. <laughs> so I was just like bugging, I'm like, yo, this is so fucked up. I'm like, fuck this landlord. And I was like, I don't know. It was out there, like in the avenues. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, So that's what That's why I ended up Becoming like I didn't have nowhere to stay Because You know It it was whack But it was just like It was nothing It was nothing Brad could do yeah. You know what I'm saying Be At the end of the day So I couldn't stay there And then Wester and I had like A different living situation So I couldn't stay there So I was just like Fuck I don't know Like I don't even know anybody Really like that yet So But a lot of people Helped me down Like Tim Bruns and, and Joey Pepper. They had they had an apartment. It was the it was the old it was the apartment that Joey and Rob Welsh had together and then Rob moved out and then Joey and Tim had it. Stayed there a bunch of times. Like I remember it been like night too. Uh
0: Rob Rob Welsh's uh breadcrumbs. Yeah, like,
3: Where have you
0: been Welsh? Like, <laughs> follow Welsh.
3: <laughs> Straight up. I never even thought of it like that, but I did, like for a lot of like a lot of couch surfing. Like, yeah, held it down over there and then like shout out to the homie Jacob from uh Pier holding it down from Pier seven and everything. Like that dude held me down a lot. Like and I think that's why I skated the island so much, because I met people down there that held me down when I really needed yeah. it. Cause I had I really had nowhere to go and like yes, it would be some it was some it was some harsh nights, like some nights just walking, like cause yeah, just, just trying to stay awake, like man, I'm tired as hell. But then, at the same time, you know, I met other homies that were kind of on on a bad one too. Right. So then, at least we had each other to get through. You know, get through the night. Like, damn, how much money you got? Like, got enough? Maybe get a bag. Like, get, right. get some weed. Like, not even thinking about eating. Like, yeah, we just blow that. And wait till the morning and figure it out. Like, yeah, it it was crazy. But it also, you know, it made it made me who I am. Yeah.
2: And then it wasn't long before you popped up. So you you got you got hooked up with Mike York's company at the time, Turf, for a bit. And then you were on Western Edition, which is a company that, I mean, there's not a bad thing from where I sit to say about Western Edition, right? I mean, when I think of San Francisco companies, I think very quickly of Western Edition. And it seems to me that they were were ahead of the sort of small board company fad by a long shot. And it never really clicked outside of, sample. like, people knew people who knew about Western Edition knew about Western Edition, right? Like, everyone yeah. knew that their boards were, like, beautiful. Like, the design of their graphics is beautiful. And their, like, five or six board series were beautiful.
3: Um, yeah, I, I should be a millionaire off of Ian's artwork. I'm <laughs> thinking, like... This board should be selling for so much. And then to be like, oh, yeah, I want that Jabari Pendleton. Like, not even know who I am, but right. just pay stupid money for the board. Like, that's how it, Ian is ill with it. Like, I don't know. I love skating on those boards. Like, I get so many compliments, and you know, especially from art lovers. They're like, wow, that's a really amazing board. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know how we do. <laughs>
2: Why? Why do you think it never translated outside? Like, why did Western Edition stay a San Francisco company pretty purely?
3: Well, I was told what Western Edition was actually originally made for was supposed to be like a transit, like a transition company or something to get people that they felt weren't getting a, a a good eye on them. They would put them on. They're supposed to put them on Western. To get them out there more to get onto a bigger company. Interesting. Oh. That was that was what originally It's a lily pad. I hope brand. I'm not saying oh, it's yeah, I'm I hope I'm not saying that incorrectly, but if my memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty sure Ian and Brad have told me that before. Like that was the whole deal because, you know, yeah. maybe because Girl and Chocolate was so popping at the time and all that, and like, yo, know, there's more skaters in the city. Yeah. That aren't just, you know, people just aren't looking at like Let's put them on here. People will see them and yeah. then they can move on to something else. Yeah. So like, maybe like a, what's that, a farm team? Yeah, a farm team. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like, like that. Like, um, I think that was what the, you know, the original idea. But then, I know Brad, you know, he's always joking around. He's like, yeah, but I just got lazy and got comfortable there and never left. <laughs> like, he's just like, it's home. He's like, why would I want to leave home? Like, it's good here. Like, and I feel him because like, Real talk, it was it's it's a family ordeal. Like yeah. everyone that dealt deals with that company, I was around like damn near every day when I lived in SF. Like that was my support system. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They they believed in me when I didn't believe. Like or they saw things when I was too blind to see it. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 shout out to Kent and Ian and Ando. Like and, and there's a lot of more people behind it, but those you know those three people like like. Man, Ian and Ando did so much for me. Uh, and I can't even repay them. And I, don't, I know they don't even think that, but like real talk, they've done so much for me. It's a trip.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was also like a different, like when I think of Western Edition, I think of something very different from the San Francisco that we see now, right? Like San Francisco now, when we think of it, like, what we get out of San Francisco is so Hillbomb centric. So GX 1000 centric and, and Western edition was like jazz and like manies and like long nose grinds and like cruising smoothly through the city. And now it's just so buck and so haywire and so like breakneck speed all the time. Is it weird for you to see San Francisco skating? What San Francisco skating is now? Like,
3: not at all. Actually, it's weird because all that was going down. Like the GX fools have been killing it from day one. Yeah, like I know when they first came out, their videos wasn't showing all that bombing, but they were all about that life from day one. Yeah, yeah. Like they were, they they came out like I don't know. Big ups to GX. Shout out to Ryan and that whole crew. Like those fools are amazing, and at the same time. Like Ryan is a skate rat, yeah, like he knows all about western, he knows about every single video, all the tricks and everything, like just because you know he might be documenting and pushing you know something else doesn't mean he's not aware of other real you know real stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. and like um, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't surprise me the way the way s f is being shown right now this is' so many different sides of s f
0: mhm
3: yeah. That that's the thing. Like, yeah, you do have that that gnarly ass hill bombing. Like, yeah, they're bombing hills of death right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Like I was always, you know, get down on the hills, but like, watching those videos, like, nah, that they, they gets my heart like my my, my blood pressure, you know, rises mm-hmm. and stuff. Ooh, child. Like you see that? Like, yo, it's pretty uh crazy what they're doing. But they're just taking it to that next level, man. And uh, you know, you have that side of SF. You like you got you got the chill side of SF, like fools hanging out down at the island, like or EMB. and like they just post there and skate that like a plaza, and they know their homies are gonna be there every day, and they they got their little drink and they got their little smoke rolled up or whatever, and and, and it's super chill. Chico's
0: yeah. still like cruising around. Time, they, <laughs> Chico, yeah,
3: mm. but at the same time though, I was like those kids bomb the hills down to get down there you know what i'm saying they might not be doing the depth of fire thing but like yeah all the hill bombing like that's just that's just sf right like that's going down regardless like that was the ill thing i can't think of like someone you would think is super technical or something in sf but for him to get to the spots he's bombing those hills like everyone bombs pretty much like it's it's a way of life that's just the the san francisco terrain has always been that yeah
2: so what's it like for you to be back in St. Louis? Like do you do you still feel like it's part of you still in San Francisco? Do you still wish that you were out there? Do you, does it does it feel at this point natural to be back?
3: I wished I was out there until COVID came up. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't know right <laughs> in the city like right now. Like I know some people are like, man, you tripping, but I was just just like, man, you you know, St. Louis, you move different here. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? I'm in I'm in my own vehicle. I got my own personal space and all that I'm not breathing up on nobody all the time and and all that but um I don't know i, I miss i miss that stuff a lot and and uh I need to get back out there. It's yeah. been a minute of like i think I moved back to St louis in twenty seventeen and then I went back for a memorial in San francisco like twenty eighteen so it's been been about three years something like that so i don't know oh this we'll see what it is with um i mean traveling is good right now i'm i'm not a weirdo but i'm just like man i'm not in too much of a rush to do anything right now like like i'm not a zombie and like super scared of stuff but at the same time i'm like man don't nobody know shit like everyone thinks they got everything figured out like Nah, this ain't this bad, or this is this bad, or this and this and this. I'm like, all y'all don't know nothing. You're just saying what you believe right, in. Like, right. I'm just gonna chill and just I don't know. If something comes up that I have to do, I'm gonna do it. But I don't, I don't know. I I'm peep tripping off a suit. You, I don't wanna, I wanna do things like him. He's been just driving cross country. Yes, like, man. Yes. I don't know about like hopping in no. Like I, I see how all my friends do it, and they're all good. But I'm just like, man, I don't want to be on no fucking plane with no mask on or double masked up for a certain amount of hours. Like, I already got sleeping, He's like, oh, no, I'm already snoring all crazy. Like, <laughs> oh, no, and now I got these masks on and just, like, s- sucking up the same. Mm. We already in a recycled air, and then you got recycled air in a recycled air. Like, I don't know. It's too much for me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was suchu, I was like, man, he's been killing it, like, and just, yeah, drive, drive across country. You're, like, in control of who you're around, and you're still killing it and hitting up all stuff. And, like, looks looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> fun and safe. Yeah. Fuck yeah.
0: I have a digression about switch skating.
2: Oh, man, get in there. I want to talk <laughs> about switch skating, too, because well, Jabari is my favorite switch Mongo push in the whole industry.
3: Oh. That's that... crazy. I was just thinking that when you were talking about <laughs> switch, you're like, you no, know I got to switch. Mongo, you've got man. a, a, switch bea- a-, a switch- beautiful
2: switch. Mongo,
0: I'm well. That's the thing. Like when people are giving you shit because like skaters were supposed to be in tight pants and you were wearing baggy pants, then the skating came around to you. The same mm-hmm. thing with the switch. Mongo, oh, that is that hot now? Switch. Mongo. Ti- Tiago made it completely acceptable. That's right. that's it is. Right. It is absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, Casa never stopped it, but right. Tiago. Just fully brought it to be like, no, 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 this isn't something to look down on, this is something to continue yeah. your vibe. Um, and Kalis
2: and Josh Kalis, by the Kalis way, Kalis
0: has a, a remarkable Switch Mongo Switch
2: Mongo, yes,
0: yes. Um, no, it's just it for whatever reason. In my I'll still say early 30s, yeah, I'm 33, I've early decided 30s. to be a bit of a Switch skater. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a remarkable switch skater. And for whatever reason, we always have somebody who just understands the switch backside on this show. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not me particularly, but there's Ryan lay who said he ran into you in SF actually. And then Ted Barrow's also on the show, but there's this thing that you were doing uh, when I like just YouTube you earlier as well. You were showing people how to switch back five o. That is hands down the hardest, scariest, most confusing thing. Uh, and I just respect the game. I mm-hmm. I still don't understand it. How did you just kind of make that jump to being like, oh, I'm a switch backside skater. Like, and that, was that part of your earlier shit? Or was that part of your yeah. second phase? Mm.
3: Every, yo, I had no second phase. Like everything that you pretty much seen me do as an adult was me just relearning stuff I had already knew how to do as a kid, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that's. But no, no, you're like no, like that. That's what seriously helped the me. The switchback tail when shoves, young.
2: dude.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Jabari did one of the best switchback tail shoves I've ever seen at a spot called Gateway in St. Louis, Missouri. That is a <laughs> tall ledge, and you switchback shove that in like 1995. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. What? So you were you were on switch backside very very early.
3: It was because of Keenan Milton. I seen him do one in, uh, it was like the first four one one Europe European like summer or something, and it was all European contests, and it was in black and white. And I seen Keenan Milton do a switch back tail shove on the box, and I was like, that's the illest trick ever. <laughs> Learn- I went to knifer. Learned them regular footed first, and then figured them out switch after that.
2: You also allegedly, like, this is another kind of story I heard, is that you nearly landed a nollie cab backtail at Keener before Mouse came out and before Gino very famously did his nollie.
3: No. Okay. <laughs> hey, people be saying stuff, but i be like, thank you. <laughs> I can't say yes and with a straight <laughs> face. To that. Yeah,
2: right. The, the myth is growing richer, man. The legend grows deeper every day. I don't know, man. There, I think what you just said is an important thing. That, like, who who you were, the skater that I saw in the nineteen nineties, is every bit the skater that became the sort of like Western edition turf and the sort of like beloved beloved. Uh, large bodied skater of the 2010s right like the 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 people who took to you and 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 I don't want to undermine that like you have represented for a, a whole lot of larger bodied people in the United States like you could be a skater Like, what is that like for you to know that, like, there are people who see you as like a possibility model, like, oh, this guy, this guy's this guy is large and this guy rips like people look up to that like you are in that and you can't deny that one you can deny the the nolly cab back tail but you can't deny that for a, <laughs> a whole class of folks who might otherwise have been like oh this skateboarding is a thing for small and slim people like you've shown them that no this there is a possibility here you can do
3: this uh it's it's an amazing feeling to me you know what I'm saying like especially when i've had Bigger skaters reach out to me, and just you know, when they tell me, it means it means so much to me because you know I had I had people I looked up to through like no all right, also, I was gonna say I had people I looked up to on like skate videos, but not in person. But that's not true because I had a, you know a lot of older homies that I looked up to through skating. But it's just just to have a positive impact on someone's life. Mm-hmm. That's simple. That's the, I think the easiest way I can say it. Like on or off a board. If you have a positive impact on someone's life, man, that's like the greatest feeling. <laughs> like to to me personally. Like and then especially if you didn't even try. You know what I'm saying? Like um, you know, and they say everyone has a gift. You know what I'm saying? And you're supposed to just be true to that gift. And if you do that to the most, like every. Oh, I'm not even saying it correct. Like you know everything everything will work out the way it's supposed to be. So I'm like, maybe I was really doing what I was supposed to be doing. Just be skating and being happy and me doing that impacted other people in a positive way. Yeah. Like I can't really, I can't really beat that man. Like that's like, that's why I'd, I'd want the rest of my life to be, you know what I'm saying? You might not always be able to get that, but it, that's dope. If you can live your whole life doing something that makes you happy and that, and what you're happy at doing also impacts other people positive, you know, positively, positively, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's that's like crazy. Like, how can you get? There's nothing. There, that's a win-win situation. There's nothing but good coming from that. Yeah. You know? So it's it's an amazing feeling to me. Like, I think that's the two things that hit me up the most was like, yeah, uh bigger skaters telling me like, yo, you you know, you inspired me. I didn't think I could do it because I was too big, but then I saw your part. And I was like, "Oh, I can do it." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that like, that put brings a warm feeling to me like that. And then I've had and like, I've had probably more of the bigger skater like messages. But then like, I've had some, um, you know, one like a message when I was out an SF from a kid out here in St. Louis and saying like, he quit, he quit banging. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he's like, "Man, I seen you skating like." Oh this and like, I, you know, I used to be doing all this stuff. Like, I just quit it. I just want to skate. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I and and he didn't say he wants to go pro at skateboarding. He didn't say he wanted to. You know, he's like, I just want to skate. So who knows what that skate is going to take him on to later on? But I know what he took him away from. Right. It took him away from some bullshit. Right. You know what I'm saying. It took him took him away from something that most likely didn't have a future for him. Right. You know. So yeah stuff like that like its like it's touching it it moves me
2: damn yeah it's it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful it's beautiful to do a a silly thing long enough that it ends up not only rewarding your own life and and getting you off of whatever other paths you could be on, but if you do it in such a way that you inspire other folks to have their own adjustments or make their own adjustments away from what whatever is unhealthy or whatever is potential potential alternatives to this path like yeah i mean it's it's the most beautiful thing like we don't we don't need to talk about god or faith or anything if you can bring that sort of blessing into someone else's life like that's 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 beauty that's sacred if you ask me so yeah i i i think i think i think to feel that and to feel other people reaching out to you like that is is a testament that you've done something right man
0: yeah uh Yeah. I never heard that. You know, I th- I think about it sometimes, but that's like a frame of skating that I that I don't really maybe it gets asked in interviews or something, but it's like skating really doesn't uh in most cases, like doesn't deliver materially typically. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we don't mm-hmm. most <laughs> of us don't get uh what I would call the chaz money. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but i but i do think about that sometimes just like before i skated i played like half a season of pop Warner football before i just was like fucking over it but i played a shit ton of video games as like an 8 year old you know what i mean right. it's like i don't know what track i was on but but the idea you know obviously my circumstances are whatever marked by all these uh other privileges and, and shit like that but but the idea of thinking about skating as a thing that maybe doesn't bring you to a certain place, but keeps you from yeah. these other things. That is like that is such like a mind expanding frame that I've that I, I I don't think that I've given it its its proper credit to, which is like that's pretty rad to hear. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because everyone always just trips off like, well, where's it gonna take you? But like, where has it taken you from? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they like you gotta, you know, trip, you know, look at all all aspects of it. And and like you said, skating normally isn't doesn't pay off like you know financially for a lot of people. So so that's my money. That's that's my goal. Like is hearing somebody say, "I you know I changed something positive for them." That's that's where I'm like, man, where you can be so down on yourself sometimes. Like, man, I didn't do this with this, or right. I didn't get here, or I wasn't able to buy a house off this. Right. But when you get someone that tells you stuff like that. That's when all that, everything else is like, oh, it, don't, it doesn't matter. Like, I made a difference in homies life, yeah, you know?
2: That, so. that said, I do wonder what you feel like the standout tricks are when you look back at particularly your time in San Francisco. Cause when I think of it, I think of switch frontside flip over the library gap. Like what what to you is the thing, if not that, what is the trick that you're like, I did that. Like, I got that.
3: Um, that was, I was pretty hyped on that one. Yeah. Like, um, cause at the time, I don't know. So, so I would, I was trying to trip off of like, okay, what has, not you know, everything's been done, but there was like, the library was a spot that I was aware of before I quit skateboarding. Right. So mm-hmm. when I started back skating and I was out in SF, I was like, every time I would skate there, I would think of. I know most people think of Mike Carroll with that 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 the most beautiful line ever. You know, what I'm <laughs> saying done all the way across the library. For some reason, you know, I've always been a huge Lavar fan. Yeah, I always yeah. thought of Lavar in this. Uh, he had a part in 411, and a lot he filmed a lot of stuff at the library. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was so good. And I don't know, I always thought that spot looked so amazing, and the the, the smaller gap there looked so cool to me. So when I got out there, I was just like, "Man, I got to get a trick on here." Yeah, and like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped on the switch big hill over the smaller, the smaller gap at the library, yeah. mm-hmm. because I learned that that was all right. So pretty much every other trick you see me do, is tricks that I learned as a child. Yeah, switch big hill, I had to learn that as an adult, and I learned how to do that trick just so I could do it over that gap. Uh. and I was like, because <laughs> I knew no one had did it, right. I wanted, I wanted to really. I always think way be- way better. I think I'm way better than I am. So I wanted <laughs> to do the Switch Big Hill. I wanted to do the Switch Big Hill and I wanted to do it regular, too. Yeah. God damn yeah. I wanted to do both ways. So I did a Switch. And, yo, all right, there, there's a funny story on this. There's always, always backstories people don't know. So I did a Switch and I, I filmed a sequence for it. It was the beginning of the turf. It was posted like, Mike was trying to get it an ad or something. I think they said I shot it with the rock. They didn't like the photographer I shot it with. But then I went back and shot it again because like I did that switch big hill like seven times.
2: All right, Like, what? like a, a gang, a gang <laughs> of times,
3: dude. I went there. I remember once there with my roommate, and we were just like wasted, drinking and stuff. And somehow I just did it first try. He was just like Joey Johnson. He talks the most shit all the time. The Most <laughs> shit talking, this motherfucker. And some and, and and I think Dave Rosenberg was there. I don't know, but somehow I did it first try, like wasted. And I was like, what? And I don't even skate wasted. I don't even. I'm not that type of dude. I was tripping off that, but so did that. Never got used for an ad. I think at the time somebody was wanted to sit on the footage because it was after oh, yeah, the Switch Big Hill happened after the first, my my turf part came out. So I think LRG or Gold Wheels, both of them were like, all right, don't use that Switch Big Hill. We're going to use it. Like, we're saving this. So I'm like, all right. So then some other video came out that I think the Western FTC came out with, and Lavar did the Switch Big Hill later, even though they told him, like, Jabari did it, but he was like, you know, who's Jabari? Like, I'm Lavar. Like, it is Lavar, you know what I'm saying? Like uh. I know he didn't say that, you know, but I'm just like, that's how I am. I'm like, who's, that's how I'm I'm gonna say that to myself. Like, who's Jabari, bro? Right. That's Lavar. <laughs> so Lavar does it. I think his comes out first. So I was just like, dang man, like mine's ain't even gonna be nothing by the time it comes out. And then I was trying to learn them regular, because I wanted to do it regular. And Chico did it did a regular across it. And I think it gave me my give me uh, my money, Chico. Right. So I never got a chance to do it regular. And then mines came out, but I think it came out in like the bonus section of <sighs> uh Yeah, was LRG. So I was like, it's it hasn't even barely been seen for real, for real. But oh, man, man, I was pretty proud of how I did that over that. And I landed on one. I landed on one across the big, the big one though. Switch big hill across God the big damn. one, and I'm so mad that I never, I I didn't just keep going back each day, each day after that until I yeah. got it, because I was like, it was it was kind of a battle to get to that point, and I landed on it and I tried so hard. I was like buckling my knees, like trying not to fall, trying so hard, and then it shot out from under me. But man, I'm so mad I never went back and got that one. Well. One trick
2: no one's ever going to take from you is switch back 5-0 at 3rd and Army, 360 shove out. I don't know that that's a trick that you got to worry about other people stealing from you. And it didn't flop out. It stayed up. It is a (laughs) stand-up trick, man. That was fucking sick.
3: That that one took a while. I don't even know what made me want to try that, but... I don't know. I was always doing switchback five zero shove it, so I guess I just like, yeah, three sixty shove it. Yeah, but it's not like I could do switch three sixty shoves like on flat or anything. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. only person can do that is Carolino. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, w- I had like tried that a bunch of times, and it finally just worked, and I, I was super hyped, and and uh, I think one of the, the the illest the illest thing was getting props from uh, winning. Really? Brian yeah, he gave me props for you. he said he had been trying that. And that just like that was a trip for me, like coming back skating and it's like, what? Like I don't know, I was a huge i I'm a huge fan of Brian winning and all that. And I'm like, What, you had been trying that? And I'm like, damn. And the person who originally told me was his homie, Ian Reed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um who came out with that the illest video, I forgot what that sex sex lies. Hood skate tape or whatever, that was oh, the illest video. Yeah, the Ian yeah. Reed
2: video. Ted, have you seen the Ian Reed video? I haven't. That might have been a, be- before your time. Yeah, I'm scum.
3: My <laughs> that would have been, uh, that, but that wouldn't have been too ahead of his time if if you were skating in... that was I was in SF when that when that video was out.
0: Yeah, th- there are a couple from SF that kind of missed me uh, uh, for some reason. Uh, I've I've returned many a times to to Jim's Ramp Jam, which I didn't even see for the first time till 2008. But mm. <laughs> um, yeah, like a reel to real wasn't in my house growing up, uh, which yeah. has uh, you know the Nate Jones and and Field yeah. and um, yeah, my the landscape of San Francisco to me growing up was through Tilt Mode, which wasn't even SF. It was just right. like they just right. had clips there. So yeah, uh, those are the homies. Yeah, so I just. Um, I have these I have these weird little spots that I need right. to fill in still. Um
2: Sex, Hood, skate and videotape Ian Reed's video is a a, a standalone object. It's a one of a kind object in the in the in the lore of skateboarding. Uh I don't know how to hold up. I haven't watched it in a long time.
3: Uh Oh uh, it was one of those things that you could watch with people that don't even skate though, because there was so much everything else in there, like it was some cool skating, but then it was like some straight hood flicks. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, I don't know. It was thick ass stripper. y like, cause yeah, Ian keeps the women. And Yeah, I don't know. It was the illest video ever. And he's kept going,
2: when, right? I mean, he he got deeper and deeper into like, uh, I don't, I don't filming S and M,
3: yeah, like like the BDSM or whatever. Yeah,
2: he's like deep in that, as I understand.
3: Yeah, and I and it all—he just stumbled across it. He wasn't trying to get into it at all. It was just one of those things that he really just fell into it. Find your lane,
2: yeah. Find your lane and yeah. run with it, man. Uh, Jabari, but I wonder if we could, if we could wrap up here by by hearing if you could, given given what what St. Louis is and given what. Now the whole world knows about St. Louis, Missouri, which is that it's a it's a deeply segregated place, right? It is a place of great disparity. And the the gap between life on the north side of St. Louis and life in St. Louis County is um, you know, it's it's two different worlds. Um and and, and given given what you've seen of St. Louis, Missouri, what what do you what do you think skateboarding can do for that city. Like do you think do you think there's a way do you think there's a way that the way that skateboarding has changed uh can can help a city like St. Louis? Like is there is there a way that skateboarding can um play any role in what obviously needs to happen in St. Louis, which is some some pretty serious change?
3: Only way I can really see skateboarding making a change like in St. Louis is is through like after school programs and stuff like that. Yeah. I think um I mean skateboarding is already making a positive change on, on St. Louis. Like for any kid to start skating, it it takes them to a whole different new world. And they it usually opens you up to people that you might not always been around or, or communicated with and everything. Cause yeah. it kinda opens you up. But for like a I think for like a a, a big change in everything I think it's a there's a lot of programs that could be started that are with skateboarding in it that could actually i think reach a lot a lot of children a lot of kids and like we all know the yeah. children are the future or whatever you know what I'm saying like <laughs> you get them while they're young man like that's 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 how it is It takes a village to raise a child so yeah. um I've actually when I first moved back, I remember I called Park and Rex and I was like trying to talk to them about you know, skate programs, and they pretty much laughed at me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I guess it's a norm in California, but, you know, out here, they're just like, what the hell are you talking about, skateboarding? And like, I'm like, right. yeah, skateboarding, fool. Like, <laughs> after-school programs. This, I'm, I was just like, I don't understand. to, me, it just doesn't, it's not that, doesn't sound crazy, but, like, you know, when you mentioned to other people, they're just like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, after-school program that, it involves skateboarding. It can, it'll it catch a lot of you. It's very popular. It's, like it's supposed to be the number one pastime. You know what I'm saying? Like, It, it catches kids' eyes. Like, get them up in the program through skating, but also teach them some other stuff. Have them working in the community. Right. Have them like, you know, I don't know. All the, I just, I've seen all the skate programs in San Francisco. It wasn't about just skateboarding. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's a skate program. But the programs are never about just that. Right. It's a lot of usually positive things you can do from helping them with their homework. Uh, like I said, if, if you have programs in the communities, they go out and do community outreach and, you know, clean up their parks and keep their neighborhoods looking, you know, right. And right. It's, it's a whole lot of things. I think those programs could help, you know, St. Louis, but um, I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard just getting those programs started. Like, right? yeah. It just has to be. I guess we just need somebody that's really uh, focused and like knows how to uh, navigate their way through the system to get yeah. programs like that started. Yeah. Which I definitely I don't have the patience for that. But yeah. um, which I need. I, which I need to. I say I I, say I shouldn't have signed it off just that easy. Like I don't know. I I really would like to start some programs in North St. Louis. Like that's what yeah. that's that was my idea. I'm like. Yo, you can, cause there are some skate programs here, mostly out in the county areas and stuff like that. Right. I'm like, man, I want to do North St. Louis. That's like, that's that's the beginning of my skateboarding with North St. Louis. That's when I got my first board when me and my mom still stayed in North St. Louis. And uh I don't know. I feel like I owe, I owe it to the I owe it to those kids. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this, this might be someone's number one passion, their first love. They don't even know it yet because they just haven't, you know, they just haven't came across it yet. Yeah. I know when I came across it, I was instantly in love.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things that we can hope is that uh, as the network grows bigger, right? Like as people like Ryan and Tim Ward in Tempe, who run Skate After School, have there it low. is, a Michael Warfel logo. That's a- it. I just fact, started following yeah, them. I yeah. I think.
3: Will do yeah, that. yeah, that's a yeah, St. Louis graphic. Yeah, be <laughs> yeah. killing it. Yes,
2: we're figuring it out, right? I mean, that's that's one of the th- one of one of the changes of the last decade is that we've 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 figured out how to speak about skateboarding in such a way that we we've learned to kind of start convincing those folks, right? The people who run the budgets and the people who run the bureaucracy in each of these towns, so. Maybe the hope is, is that the network, as the network grows, as more and more kids see the benefits, that we can start convincing folks. Uh, Jabari, man, I can't thank you enough for being here. This has been really, really special for me. Um, and and I hope that you've enjoyed it a little bit as well.
3: What? Oh, yeah. I had a great time. Oh, shit. You
2: know what we need, man? Every yes. week we do, we do a trick challenge. And it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, the trick challenge was... Uh wasn't it no slide up to crooked grind, which is which is one of those tricks yes. that you can do, it seems, without even trying, because
3: uh, a good old keener? Yeah, exactly, which is
2: <laughs> a nice rounded ass old ledge. do you yeah. Do you have a, a trick challenge that you uh would that would not be so exclusive that it would stump everyone, maybe on the sort of intermediate level of trick that you would call out as our esteemed guest? Uh, to be the next Vent City Trick Challenge.
3: Well, let me ask you this: what well, What was your last? What was your last trick?
2: Uh, I'll 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 name a few. We've done
0: switch varial heels. We've done mm, backsmiths on quarter pipes or something else. Did we do nollie backside flips? Yeah. God knows Or sw- it was not. switch frontside flips.
2: Switch frontside flips.
3: Yeah. So they're
0: just kind of in those lines,
3: you know. I would say uh, either a regular or fakey heel flip. Has oh, we, we did do fakie heel flip. Let's do regular yeah, heel did. flips. Okay, okay,
0: Regular heel
3: yeah. flips. Yeah, I feel. I see. I'm. I see more people do switch heel flips than regular heel flips. I feel. Yep. Like. Let's
2: go. Regular heel so. flip. And should we? Should we throw in a pro level challenge? I know Ryan likes to do these pro level challenges, which we could do like a a heel. We could do a heel flip. Manny as the pro challenge which is a trick that almost a never one. looks good. I know good. I've never
3: done the heel flip Manny. I've yeah.
2: definitely never done a heel flip Manny. Randy Placer has, in fact.
3: Yeah, well, that's Randy. Randy and Kareem Campbell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, did on the, he did it on the picnic table.
2: All right, there it is. The trick challenge is, is a, a heel flip, straight heel, and then the pro-level challenge will be a heel flip Manny.
0: Yep. I, I like, like this. I like the way we went with it. A tail
2: tailbreaker.
0: You know it's a fucked up yeah. one? The... I think people did this before Theotis, but it was probably the first time I like remember talking to my friends at the skate shop about it. Is heel flip nose yeah. manual? That yeah. is such a yeah. That is such like a subtle heater.
3: It is weird. You don't you don't see you don't see it much. No, the regular foot like I said, you'll see switch heels to fakie Manny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't see heel flip nose manual at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Adrian Williams, he has a mean one. Adrian Williams is, is fucking amazing. amazing. Mm. Yes, thank you, thank you. Very one of the most underrated skaters for real, like and the nicest dude ever. Is he? Uh, yeah, I, for real,
2: that makes for real. sense. Wait, that makes sense. I, I've
0: I've I've visited SF a, a, a few times, um, mm-hmm. and multiple times, like years and years apart, like 2007 or six. I must have gone out there to visit Ryan. Uh, and then back in 2009 and then again, there in like 2011 on multiple trips, I have seen him just skating down the street solo and it is, yes, yeah, it is, it is the most inspiring shit. And there used to be this spot that was like black, um, black ledges that you skated, that you skated, uh, yeah. Uh, one time he, he, he rolled up when I was skating with uh, Preston Harper there and it was uh it, it freaked me out a little bit. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to see where he's been skating to. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> 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 no, yo, that was, that's probably one of the illest things living in San Francisco is just seeing the random people skating by your similar, like, Oh shit, that's so-and-so or that's so-and-so. And like, and you just mentioned D- Dennis Bucinich. He he would be like from day one when I moved out there, he's always skating solo or with his dog, like skating through the whole city. <laughs> he would literally skate the whole city by himself and go from spot to spot, kill it, not fall, like just land everything and then go to the next spot. Which I heard Lavar used to do it like that too back in the day. But that's how that's how it was when I moved to the city watching Boosting It Skate. So randomly I'm on the bus on the Geary, I think. I don't know. I'm on some bus. I'm up here, head on the window, like knocked out, like. And something just made me wake up and look out my window, right? And I look out the window. And why is it boosting it?
2: <laughs> switch
3: pushing. Hey, I'm, I, I swear to God, I'm not over exaggerating. He's switch pushing up a hill going faster than the bus that I'm on. He's passing me up and I'm on the bus and I'm like, what the, I'm like, and I'm like, you know how you go like this to make sure you're not sleeping. I'm like, is this for real? Yo, it's him switch pushing up the hill. And it was, it was the gnarliest. It was Van Ness before they redid it. It was so shitty and pothole, and he switched pushing past us on the bus. Real talk. That's, Yeah.
0: That's like the superhero cartoon image of Boosnits I have in my mind. I love to hear that. (laughs) He's the greatest. Straight up. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh,
2: (laughs) Shall we call it? I
0: think we did it. This was fucking great.
2: Jabari, truly, man. uh, uh, An absolute treat to have you here. Thank you so much. I owe you. Next time I'm in town, I'll buy you dinner. Uh,
3: hopefully I can skate by the time the next time you get here, man. Shit.
2: Yeah, let's let's do that. Don't rush it back though, man. You know how ankles are.
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're old, they're old ankles too, so <laughs> 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 they take a little longer now. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, no fun song this week. It's been a it's been a heavy one for the crew, um, but I do want to say thank you to everyone who contributes to the Pro Flow tier on our Patreon page. It it really does help and uh, makes the the weekends in, in stuck in editing mode uh, much better. And those generous people who help keep the show going and uh, maintain my sanity are Sean Hannafin, Thank you. You're incredible. Sean Doyle, amazing skater, top-notch. Lars Garvey Lang-Peterson, thank you, as always. Neil Shoemaker, we love you. Wonderful work. Brian Higgins, one of the best. Stone Friesen, also, just a, just a great, great soul. Evan Cunningham, thank you for the support, as always. Luke Whitford, Cameron Jimmo, and Betsy Gordon, you all make doing this um, your generosity means, means quite a bit. Um, support the show at patreon.com and, uh, thank you again.